0: This is Limitless Spirit, a practical, inspirational, and thought-provoking weekly podcast about the impact of faith and Christian identity in today's world. And now here's your host, champion of Jesus and people who love Him, world traveler and co-founder of World Missions Alliance, Helen Todd. Today we will talk about the cost of faith. We all have heard that salvation is a gift paid by Christ, and it is true, becoming a Christian will cost you nothing. Being a Christian, however, comes with a high price. In many cases, people come to faith in the midst of a crisis. They're seeking relief. Today, we will explore a story of a person whose life turned into a crisis because he became a Christian. This story is close to my heart because it is about close friends. And also because indirectly Chuck and I became the cause of their misfortune. And we're unable to help our friends in a way we wanted to. This story is important to you because, in a sense, this is your story too. My guest today is Armen Hagopian, whom we met in Baghdad in November 2003 on our first mission trip to Iraq. Uh, Armen, introduce yourself to us.
1: Okay, I'm Armen Hagopian, and uh, I'm 45, uh, 44 years old. Uh, I'm, pastor of, uh, church, I'm pastoring a church now. Uh, I'm uh, serving with World Missions Alliance since 2004. Actually,
0: when we met you on our first trip, I think it was November of 2003. At the time you were the worship leader at the Presbyterian Church in Baghdad. So tell me a little bit about your story, how you came to Christ and how did you become the worship leader at that church?
1: Okay, first I was like a singer in clubs, uh, nightclubs, and uh, I live the night life. So uh, my mother was a believer and she prayed for me a long, long time. Then uh, for two years, she's telling me like every day with every service, she tells me, you must come with me to the church. So it was like 1990. I decided to go to the church just because I want to. Uh, I want her to just to to not tell me again. Come to the church. So it was a big revival with a very good preacher. He uh, he was talking about the, about hell and what when what what will happen. In the hell, if we don't accept Jesus, so for me, uh, I start to feel myself like I'm in hell, and really I start to feel there is a uh, I'm 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 in fire, I'm I'm burning. So in that time, uh, uh, I accepted Jesus. It was like because I was terrified uh, I will go to hell. Then I uh, start to live with Jesus, but it was a long time struggling between my first life in the, as a singer in clubs and as a believer. Uh, I want to sing with the church chorus, so it takes years, maybe maybe three or four years. Uh, I grow up uh, with my faith, and I take that decision that okay, Lord, you gave me this. Uh, voice and I will use it for you it was very success time for the ministry Uh, actually in youth ministry uh, hundreds accepted Jesus in that time Uh, and we now uh, are you are
0: you saying this was all happening during the years under Saddam Hussein's regime
1: yes that's right that's right
0: so technically there was a freedom for Christians to worship under his regime would you say that
1: No, I I don't say that. I say all these things is in the church, okay? I can worship, I can do anything inside the church. i mean the church building. But if, uh, like, if I try to evangelize or to talk about Jesus uh, to anybody out of the church, this will be, like, a very big problem. Or if even I think, just think to... Uh, to do like a house visitation or uh, studying Bible study in my home, this can cost me my life.
0: World Missions Alliance came to Baghdad immediately after the fall of Saddam Hussein's regime, and Armen became the first interpreter for our missions teams. And later, uh, in 2004, he came on staff as the WMA coordinator for our work in Iraq. So, by the end of 2004 or beginning of 2005, you really felt like the life of y- your family, your son, was by that time in danger. Why do you think, what was the reason for that?
1: Uh, first, uh, you know, uh, uh, to serve with uh, American uh, organization like the world missions alliance first it was normal no problem so you remember we go in the streets we yes, go to the churches yes. together no problem but i known as a person who's working with america for them for them uh, no, uh, they don't care if this organization is is military organization or there are people helping. That's it. This person is working with American. Americans. So yes, suddenly, yes. I become a. Suddenly, I become a uh, like uh, not uh, uh, not as the enemy, but I start to feel that the whole a all, target. Uh, you become a yeah,
0: target. Yeah. A
1: target. All all, all the uh, even my friends start to be like careful to be around me. And I couldn't understand first. Then I noticed that, oh, okay, it's because I'm I'm serving with with uh, with World Mission's Alliance. Uh, so one of one of my friends, uh, he was a Muslim. So he told me, yes, this is the reason. And uh, Armen, uh, I think I he, he told me in, in secret, not uh, like nobody knows. He said, like you need to be careful these days. So I understand that. You need to be careful. It means you are a target now.
0: So, do you think you were primarily a target because you worked with an American organization, namely World Missions Alliance, or uh, the fact that you were a Christian also contributed to the danger factor? Uh,
1: could be both. But uh, uh, in that time, you know, the, uh, because of the uh, because of these groups, they start to fight against the U.S. Army, against the uh, even even human humanitarian. Humil- humil- uh, uh, organizations they don't they don't recognize if you are uh, helping people or or you are a military they they don't recognize that's right. it you remember uh, as a if if they catch an American whatever he is even if he he come to help them they don't recognize they just catch people and yes yes
0: I remember now so uh, the, you made the decision to move to the north of Iraq, to the autonomous region of Kurdistan. So this is the first time you technically became a refugee. So what was it like? How did you yeah. come to that decision? What, what made you come to that decision? What event was the last straw that actually caused you to say, okay, Zina, we're we're packing up and we're moving?
1: Okay. Uh, it was two things together. Okay. Uh, one. 1 it was uh, what i spoke about it's uh, it's uh, i'm like uh, a target now 2 there was a three uh, very close explosions uh, to my family okay uh, uh, and uh, three explosions was beside my door but then when i uh, me and uh, you and chuck we start about a dream uh, to uh, plant a church in Kurdistan I said okay Lord if you want to send me there uh, and you are showing me this uh, dangerous uh, things here and you want to uh, take me to Kurdistan okay I will go it was hard because I have a very good uh, ministry in the church Uh, it was a challenge for me but uh, I said Lord if if this is from you I will accept it Uh, it's like, so, so at yeah. that
0: time, it was more like a, a ministry decision. You were led by the Lord to move yeah. in that direction, but there yes. was also a certain of level of danger. Maybe not directly to your family at the moment, yeah. but just the situation in in Baghdad was becoming physically dangerous uh, in general. So. Um, and, of course, when you moved, you you left your parents behind. Zina left her parents behind. So, of course, it was not an easy decision. Yeah. Um, so you moved to Kurdistan. You were ordained by World Missions Alliance as the pastor of the church that we started there in the city of Duhok. And for several years after that, your life was fairly peaceful. Would that be correct?
1: That's correct. Till the uh, till the ISIS problem in uh, Nenawa or in Mosul.
0: So let's let's talk a little bit about that situation. Uh, okay. I believe it was year two thousand sixteen, if I'm not mistaken. Correct it's me if of, I'm wrong.
1: End, end of fifteen. Uh,
0: so what specifically happened during that time that uh, really caused you to become a refugee again?
1: okay uh, I was helping many many groups with the world machines Alliance uh, by food by uh, sometimes mobile toilets with uh, blankets with uh, many many things and uh, I known as a person who is uh, working uh, to to help all all people but uh, I shocked one day uh, one of the groups they they told me you you are evangelizing through the uh through the helping pro- program and i said uh, no never i didn't did that and they show me uh, faked photos that i'm passing bibles in the camps which i didn't uh, i was passing like uh, bags of food when they asked me to come to, to their uh, tribe elders Uh, I thought they are. When when you
0: say they, Can you specify who? One of the groups.
1: No, one of the groups.
0: One of the groups. Who?
1: Uh, One of the groups. uh, They have like an elders there. A tribal?
0: Are you talking about tribal tribal leaders? Yeah,
1: tribal. Yeah, Uh, they are more than tribal. Uh, They are a a big region, big people. Uh, I thought they want to. Uh, thank me because what i'm doing for their people i uh, i shocked there was like a court against me that uh, i'm evangelizing and they start to like scream in my in my face that you are abusing the poor people to uh uh to evangelize them and turn them uh, to the christianity i said never i didn't do did that uh I uh, told them I never abuse the poor people. I, I sure I talk in the name of Jesus and I evangelize whoever I want to evangelize, but never I abuse the poor people. I'm a pastor, and now I'm t- telling you, Jesus is the Lord, and I uh, and I evangelize all elders. They come there to uh, uh, to judge me.
0: So probably when you say abuse, you mean exploit. So oh. you're you're talking about using the fact that they're in need and providing them exactly. with help yes. in return to them converting to Christianity.
1: Yes, yes. I see. And I see. Yeah, and they. Uh, it, it looks like there is a people working against me uh, because. What, why? What why do you think they were? Christians- Yes. Okay. What we do as World Missions Alliance, we go to the, to the tents, to the, to the camps and we go sit in their, in their tents and we pray for them and we give them the food. OK, uh, uh, we pray for them. We we uh, we we show them the love. We never we never evangelize there because this is uh, uh, there is a disaster. And we are doing what Jesus tell us to uh, to help the people, to love the people. So the these pe- people start to ask me why why you are doing that for us? I said, Jesus, send us. So in months, I see like there is hundreds come to me and they want to. They want to know who is Jesus. So when they come to my church and ask me about Jesus, sure, I will tell them who is Jesus. And I found like hundreds coming to Jesus and this bothered the the elders. The
0: tribal elders. I see, I see. So they threatened you. They threatened your life. They threatened the life of your child.
1: Let me tell yes. uh, Now, I I don't know if really these people did that, but but they threatened me after one month of this court so he was the who threatened me he was covered i couldn't see his face he was beside he came my to your
0: husband.
1: house he came to my house he was just beside my outside door and he said uh if you don't leave if you if you don't leave we will burn your heart in in tribe language this is this is it mean i will kill your uh, your son i will burn I your see. heart yeah
0: i see On this cliffhanger, we will pause our man's story until the next episode. Perhaps you have not gone through such an extreme external crisis as our man has. Many times, the cost of being a Christian is an internal crisis between our flesh and our spirit. The never-ending battle that Paul captured with such precision in Romans 7.15, where he says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. If your faith has not cost you anything, perhaps it is time to look deeper within yourself. I think we become refugees in this world as soon as we give our hearts to Christ. On the other hand, we look at our man's story, some parts of it he has not shared with us, uh, for instance, his father was murdered by the extremists in Baghdad and his brother was kidnapped by Al-Qaeda while delivering Bibles and his family had to pay a large ran- ransom to rescue him. Can the cost of faith be too high? We will hear the rest of our man's story and talk about this in our next episode. Before I say goodbye, I must mention that this podcast is requires funds to produce so if you like what you hear consider supporting by going to rfwma.org slash forward give and send a love gift until next time thanks for listening to limitless spirit with helen todd produced by world missions alliance are you ready to step out of your comfort zone do you have a passion to help people and share your faith across the globe visit our website, rfwma.org, and get involved in the Great Commission through short-term missions. We hope you'll leave a review and check out other episodes. We'll be with you in a week on our next episode of Limitless Spirit.